Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. We are back from the holidays, and this is the first week after the long stretch of holidays. As Hazar tells us, this is a Hodish, the Yerah Etanim, the month which is of the mighty. All the holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Shmini Atzeret, Rosh Hashanah Rabbah, Semchat Torah, Baruch Hashem, we had a month full of holidays. And now we're towards the end of the month, and Mazat Hashem, we'll be beginning a new season here on JRoot Radio. And just before we begin, let's just, because it's the beginning of the year, we will give you a little bit of an explanation of what is the Halakha Hour, what the goals of our class is, and exactly all the details that we need to know. First of all, the Halakha Hour airs on JRootRadio.com. Every single Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Is that the same? Hopefully also that will be live. from Wednesday, On Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. The Halakha Hour also is aired on again in the evening from 11 to 12 p.m. Again on jrootradio.com. If you would like to watch the Halakha Hour live, you could watch it on jrootradio.com. You could listen live in a number of ways. Number one is by going to the website jrootradio.com. Number two is by downloading the app on your smartphone, iPhone or Android, and it's called the JRoot Radio Pro app. There's two JRoot Radio apps. You need the JRoot Radio Pro app, which is coming up with an update soon. You could also listen in on the phone line. The phone line is 718-506-9099. Those are the numbers that that's the way to listen. You could also Go on the website, jradio.com, and go to the archives, and you can hear the classes <clears throat> from the past, the, the ones that we've given in the past. The Halakha Hour is a class on Halakhot, and we work off the book, the Ben Ishai. We don't just read and translate the Ben Ishai. We rather, we take the Ben Ishai, we read it, explain it, bring the sources of the Halakha from, hopefully from the Gemara, sometimes from the Rishonim, Tush Bet Yosef, and also... We discuss any of the Ahronim, the Mahlok of the Ahronim. We try to also explain it in the Sfaradi way, of course, and, and, and according to the Ashkenazim, what the custom is, what the Halakha is, according to the Sfaradim and the Ashkenazim alike. And we try to come out also with a practical. But really, we could say that the goal of the Halakha hour is to clarify the Halakha and to make it practical. That a person should know what he's doing, even the Halakha that you do know already, to know, to understand what you're doing, and also to make halakha a little bit more practical and easier and to discuss the subjects that may not be clear in the regular halakhot that we most people <coughs> are accustomed to reading. The class <coughs> is involves the audience's participation. If anybody would like to call in with a question or text in with a question, you can call in anytime during the show. And we give also some time off the air after the show. We stay around, we hang around for about 10-15 minutes to answer any questions. The numbers to call in or to text in to the studio, if you want to call in live, you call at 718-683-5858. This, at any time in the show, a person could call in. Doesn't mean we will answer. Yes, we do encourage the people to call in. But we usually take phone calls at a period where we finish an idea. Sometimes we know that halakha could be a little bit complicated. And if we were to interrupt it with a question, then it wouldn't be fair for the people listening. So at certain times of the show, we will be taking phone calls. You call in anyway, and you'll be placed on hold. And the number is, again, 718-683-5858. The best way, if you want your questions to be answered properly, is by texting in your question and just stay tuned to listening. The text 
is 347-927-8398. Again, 347-927-8398. This way you text in your question and we reply. Whether we reply on air or we reply by text, you'll get your answer back. Obviously, more complicated questions, we will ask you to call in after the show. And again, the same number, 718-683-5858. Today's class <coughs> is a little bit different. Usually, what we learn from the Ben Yishai, we're focusing on the second year of the Ben Yishai. Most people study the first year, the halachot of Tefillah and Berachot. We are focusing right now on the second year of the Ben Yishai. We've learned up till now, from the last year, we've learned from Parashat Bereshit to Parashat Vayetzeh. You wonder a whole year, just a few parashiot? Yes. Because like we said, we discuss it more in detail. And of course, anytime that there's holidays, we take a little bit of a break to discuss the laws of the holidays. Our class <clears throat> today is not going to be on Hilchot Shabbat, which was the subject that we're dealing with in Hilchot, uh, in the Benish High. Just today, after the holiday, we will be talking about a few things. Number one is the Halachot of Shnaim Mikra and the Hatargum. That they will talk, discuss it in detail. And the Hokle Israel I've given this class in the last year, and I decided to give it again because we're starting a new cycle of reading the Torah. And these Alchot are important. It's very relevant right now. So that's why we would like to talk about them right now. Also, if we do find some time towards the end of the class, with your participation, of course, it'll be making it uh, more uh, interesting. We'll discuss because there's the Shabbos project coming up this week where many people are inviting non-observant people to their house for Shabbat, whether to just for a meal or for the whole Shabbat, a sleepover. And there could be a number of halakhot that we must be aware of. We'll try to discuss a few ideas. And of course, if you have any questions, you could text it in or call in at that time to discuss those halakhot. Today's class is sponsored, Le'alui Nishmat Frida Bat Rahel Alaya Shalom. May this class be in her merit, to her memory. And if anybody would like to sponsor a class, this class or any classes in the future, call and contact the radio station here at J Root Radio. You can call on after the show or text in 347-927-8398. Let's get to the class today. We will be talking about Shnaim Mekavah Hatagum. But right before that, I would like to share with you one idea from Shemini Atzeret. And it's not a halakha so much. It's based on halakha. And from that idea, Bezat Shem will take a lesson for us throughout the year. I like this idea over the holidays, so I would like to share it with you. It's brought down in the Sefer Or Menuhal Mu'adim. We know the halakha. The halakha is that we switch over right from Shmini Atzeret from Musaf. We switch over in our tefillah from Moridatal to Mashiba Rahmur Degeshim. Ashkenazim don't say Moridatal, they say just Mashiba Rahmur Degeshim. And this is when it happens. If a person forgets to say Mashiba Rahmur Degeshim, then, you can continue. If you already start the next blessing in the Amidah, you can continue. You don't have to repeat the Amidah. You don't have to even go back. That's it. If you start the next Berakha, you can already continue the Halakha, the, the, the Amidah. However, although we switch to Mashiba Rahmanir we don't start saying Barakha Lenu in America here until December 4th. This year will be in December 4th. In Eretz Israel, Will be the switch is made earlier. Will be made Zayn Hajban, which is a week from this Shabbat. Excuse me, a week from this Friday. Next Friday, not this Friday, but the next Friday in Eris Israel, they'll be switching to Barech Alenu. Now, when we switch over on Shmini Atzeret from 
When we mention the Geshamim in the Amidah of Musaf, or right before that, we say special prayer. I don't know exactly how it is by the Ashkenazim, by the Sfaradim, we have a special prayer, which everybody says it together in a song, it's a piyut, and then it's concluded by a special prayer that the Rabbi of the Shul says in, in order to basically request or to introduce the fact that we're going to start mentioning the rain in our Amidah. And over there, in the last paragraph over there, it's very interesting. The piyut is written in discussing certain people in Tanakh who asked for water. And we say in the merit of these people who asked for water, please Hashem give us water for a year. For example, mentions Abraham Abinu and Yitzhak who dug up wells in order to get water. It mentions Yaakov Abinu who went and stood by the water. And then it concludes, uh, not concludes, but it mentions also David HaMelech who said, Mi Mayim, who's going to give me water to drink? And, and with all that, with each one, we say, please Hashem, just like they said, they requested water. They looked for water, please give us water. What's interesting is, is that the Gemara in all these places when discusses that the Avot or David Melech asked or looked for water. The Gemara says that really they were looking for Torah, as it says by David Melech. It says, "Mi Ashkeni Mayim, who's going to give me water to drink?" On a simple sense, if you're reading the story of David Melech, you can say, "Oh, he was thirsty. He needed requested somebody to give him water." Hazal tell us, "No, really, Mi Ashkeni Mayim." There was a halacha question he needed to know. And somebody, he didn't know the, the answer to the halakha question, so he said, who's going to provide me with the Torah answer, with the answer according to the Torah, to the question that I have? So you see that the word mayim, according to the hachamim, they understood it to really mean, not the simple sense that we understand, which is water, but they understood it to mean Torah. In fact, there's a very famous statement that the hachamim, that hazal made, and the Gemara says it straight out, and it says, and Mayim Ella Torah. Water, when it's mentioned, when it's mentioned in Tanakh, refers to Torah. Whoever is thirsty, go to the water. So you see, straight out, water is comparison with Torah. It is it represents Torah. The question is why? Why water? As Hazrat says, and Mayim Ella Torah is water could only mean Torah. Why is the Torah compared to water? Why a water and Torah? analogous to each other. And for that, we'll give you two answers. One answer is, on a simple level, is that just like the world cannot survive without water, a person cannot survive without water, likewise, the world cannot survive without Torah, and neither could a person survive without Torah. And the famous line of Hazal, Yom Hashishi that Hashishi over here, represents the sixth day of the month of Sivan, when the Jewish people stood by Har Sinai and they had to make the decision of accepting the Torah or not. Had they not accepted the Torah, which means that nobody in the world wanted to accept the Torah, the Pasuk would have read, which means Hashem was going to finish off the Shemayim Va'aretz. There will be no more world. Without Torah, the world cannot exist. Not only the world, but if a person lives without Torah, we say every single day when we pray our beat, the Torah is our life, and this is what gives us a long life in the world to come. Without Torah, a person has no life. Our life is Torah, like the water. A person could survive maybe for a few moments, for a few days even without water, but a person cannot survive forever without water. We cannot survive forever without Torah. 
A Jew cannot survive forever without Torah. The world cannot survive forever without Torah. The second explanation we could explain is the comparison, the analogy between Torah and water is the following, and this is really the main point. The Hazal tell us the Bahag Nidonin that in the Hag, which is the holiday of Sukkot, Hashem judges the world on water. Hashem decrees on the holiday of Sukkot how much water the world will get. And it doesn't go for the whole world together only, but rather each country, each province, each neighborhood is judged for the water. And we all know that water is basically the panasa of life. Because if the water, if the rain falls properly, and there's water that's provided, then all the produce grow properly. The prices of produce will be low. People will have enough money to be able to buy produce and extra. And they'll be able to buy cell phones and they'll be able to buy clothing. They'll be able to buy all the other different things that keep the world running. However, if there's very little water, so the produce doesn't grow properly, so the parnasa is going to be worse because now people have to spend so much money on the small supply of food which means that they're not going to have enough money for the extra luxuries that they need to spend, which makes the business very slow. And that brings about a, de- uh, a depression or anything, you know, problems in business, basically. So water is Parnassah. Hashem decides our Parnassah on Sukkot. So the Gemara Masech Roshana has a big question. The Gemara says in Masech Roshana, what if, when it comes to Roshana, Hashem looks at the people, based on the people he judges, if they, how much water do they deserve? And let's say he looks at a certain city, and he sees that, you know, these people are righteous. They seem to be very righteous. And he decrees that they should get plenty of water, which means plenty of parnasa. Okay, and he decrees it and it's sent into the books. Afterwards, throughout the year, he finds, Hashem finds that these people who have been, decree- that Hashem decreed that they should get a lot of water, all of a sudden, they go downhill. They're not tzaddikim anymore. And they really don't deserve the same amount of water that Hashem decreed for them in the holiday. So what happens? Do they, they still get the same water? Likewise, the other way. If Hashem decrees in the holiday of Sukkot that the people, you know, they were not so righteous. In Rosh Hashanah, they were not such good people. They didn't listen to the Shavuot. They spoke in Shul. They were doing Avirot. They were not thinking about Teshuvah. Hashem decrees that you get a little bit of water, not a lot of water. But then throughout the year, they do tshuva, and they're inspired, they grow tremendously. Do they still receive the same amount of water? The Gemara's answer is yes. Whatever water was decreed upon in Rosh Hashanah and finalized in the holiday of Sukkot will come down throughout the year. However, Hashem does it like this. If Hashem decreed a lot of water, and now he sees that they don't deserve a lot of water. So what does Hashem do? He makes it rain in a bad way. He makes it flood. So the same water, water came from Shammai, but it came like a hurricane, like a Hurricane Sandy. A lot of water. You got water, but it causes damage. Or the water will fall in areas which are not needed, in places which are not needed. And therefore, even though rain fell down, but it wasn't to the benefit of the people. So yes, you're getting your water, you're getting your panasa, but it's not coming in the places on the time that you need it. Likewise, it's the other way. If a person sees by Rosh Hashanah that people were not deserving of so much water, and then he sees throughout the year that they are deserving of water, so he can't change, not that he can't, but he, the system is made that it doesn't change from the amount that was decreed in Rosh Hashanah. But the small amount of water that Hashem will provide, He'll make them come exactly in the place and the times that the people need it. Instead of raining so little in the winter and so little in the summer, Hashem will make it rain 
more in the winter and take away from the summer and it'll make it rain exactly the precise locations that people need the water. So this way, the small amount of water will be able to be sufficient for the blessing and the needs of the people. That's how Hashem controls the rain that He decreed upon from the beginning of the year. Now we said the Parnassah is a the, the parnasa is the water, basically. The water is what gives us our parnasa. And you notice that, you know what? Sometimes people make a lot of money. It means that Hashem decreed upon them from the beginning of the year that they should make plenty of money. That's like plenty of water. But most people don't know that just because you make more doesn't mean you benefit more. A lot, a lot of times people will make the money, but the money will be... With, you know, by blinking their eyes, all of a sudden the money's gone. A guy comes home after a month of hard work, he makes $10,000. That's pretty good. $10,000, that means $120,000 a year. Pretty good for this such a person. All of a sudden, he realizes that his uh, brother-in-law used his car, got into an accident, and his brother-in-law is not covered by the insurance. And now his brother-in-law is, is a teenager. He's under 18 years old. How is he going to, he's not covered by insurance and he can't come and run after his brother-in-law, his wife's brother, and you know, it's going to make problems in the family. So all that $10,000 has to be given to the mechanic to fix his car. So what happened to all the money? Not, not only did he not make enough, excuse me, not only did he not have the luxury because, you know, he had the extra $5,000, but now he's in debt because he had to spend it all on the car. So it's not the amount of money that you have, it's how it's used. So therefore... It's the same idea with the with the same that Hazal tells us over with the Parnassah. Just because you have a lot of water decreed for you, if you don't use, if Hashem doesn't give it to you properly, you don't benefit from it. So what do we gain? Likewise, we said Torah is compared to water, which means that we have a responsibility the same way that we need to utilize the time of Torah that we allocate. I mean to say, just because you allocated time to study Torah. That's like water. That's like the panasa. That's your spiritual panasa. It's not the time they allocated. You could write on your resume that you learn three hours a day. One hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, one hour in the evening. But how much of the hour that you're sitting down to learn are you actually learning? Some people come to learn for an hour. But by the time they come, they sit down. They have to go get their coffee. They have to go get their tea. They have to schmooze a little bit. And of course, they have their cell phone on every two seconds. They're answering their cell phone. They're, they're, they're texting each other. This applies even to people learning in Kolel. People who say, I learn all day in Kolel. But sometimes, you know, they're schmooze. And there's a lot of Betul Torah. So even though you allocated, let's say, 10 hours a day to learning, but how much of these 10 hours are you actually learning? So the lesson from and from the water that we pray for is the Hazal telling us, just like by Parnasa, it's not how much you get, but how much you use from what you get. That's where the blessing is. Likewise, the Torah that we learn, it's not how much we use. It's not, excuse me, it's not how much we dedicate to learning Torah, but it's how much we use in our learning Torah. So if I'm sitting down to listen to a class and I shut off my phone and I got a full 45 minute to a class, it'll be better than going to class for an hour and a half and schmoozing here and there and bodily for 45 minutes because I wasted over there. The time I allocated, I wasted on schmoozing. So therefore, we have to learn from the concept of water. Not It's not important how much we get, how much pandasa we get, but it's important how much we utilize, how much we use of it. Likewise, it's important to utilize it for the time that we dedicate to learning Torah. 
not just the time that we allocate for learning Torah, but how much we use from that time. With that, we'll go on now to Halakha, like it says, the Halakha hour. And we'll begin with the laws of Shnaim Mikrav Hatargum. If anybody has any questions regarding Shnaim Mikrav Hatargum, if you're anticipating any questions, you could call in at 718-683-5858. Phone lines are open. And you could text in your question as well. We'll begin. And Razat Hashem, hopefully we'll discuss any of your questions. And let's begin. The Gemara Masech Berachot says, Whoever completes the parasha of the Shavua, of the week, together with the Tzibur, they prolong his days in life. So I heard from Rabbi Zuz a beautiful explanation. Why is it that if you say Shnaim and this is referring to Shnaim Mekah as Gemara will explain, and why is it that a person who completes a parashiyot gets to be zochet to such long days in life? And he explains, because we read the parasha every single year. And we know what the parasha says, on a simple understanding. We do, we do understand, especially those who are knowledgeable in Hebrew, they're reading the parasha again and again and again. You know it already, especially now you read it once and you're reading it again a second time, you know what it says. So it feels kind of like wasting your time. Why are you reading something that you already know? It's not like you're praying, it's not like you're asking Hashem for something, you're just reading information that you already know. So, therefore... The Gemara comes and tells us, don't think that you're wasting your time. The more you learn, Hashem will provide you with that life. Don't worry, the minutes that you spent on learning this this parasha that you already know will be given back to you. Don't feel like you're losing it and you could have spent it somewhere else. If you do what Hazal tell you, you zokheh two extra days in life to be able to do the other things that you would, to cover the other learning that you would like to learn. Now the question is, the first thing we have to ask is, who is obligated so, Hakam we are bringing from the Chuvot Geonim, I believe also Bala Ishkola, and the Igrot Moshe explain that this mitzvah is Hayub, the Gemara says Hayub according to everybody, including Talmide Hachamim, and Rav Moshe Feinstein says, even, even Bahurei Yeshiva. Don't think that just because you're learning the whole day, you're learning Gemara the whole day, you can be Patuvinus. No. This is a hayub hayab adam nashiv parashatam matsubur. That's the words of Manan. You're obligated to complete the parasha. So there's nobody who is no man above the age of bar mitzvah is exempt from this mitzvah. Everybody must learn it. Rabbi Shalom Zaman Orbach explains, he says, even though children under the age of bar mitzvah are patur, they are patur from all other mitzvot. And in this case, however, he says, it's a good thing to train children in saying Obviously, if children know how to read, this is uh, good to train them in. Even if they don't know how to read, you should know. Letting them practice reading, especially the parashiyot, is of great advantage to children. Because when they know when they're young, when they study when they're young, they'll have it when they're old. And probably one of the most te- important texts that you need to know and have it ready at the tip of your tongue is the Humash. As Rabbi Sadaka Kohen explains, Everything has to be based back on the Humash. And a lot of times you learn Gemara. If you don't know Humash, you don't know what you're talking about in the Gemara. It's good to have these Pesukim. So it's very good to train children also in learning it. And Rabbi Shalom Arbach explains that you will have also, the children will have Yerat Shemaim. It leads, reading Shemaim, especially for children, leads to Yerat Shemaim. As Maran says, we're going to see later on, that whoever reads Shemaim also with Pirush Rashi is a Yerat Shemaim. Women are exempt. Why are women exempt from this mizvah? Because it's a mizvah of Tamu Torah. This is one of the subjects that's under the category of Tamu Torah. 
the hayub, the obligation of Shem Mikavah Hatargum is an extension of the Mazar of Shem of Talmud Torah. And like the Rambam brings in the first halakha of Hilchot Talmud Torah, Nashiv Abadim Uktanim Peturim Mazar Talmud Torah. So since women are exempt, they don't have to read it either. But like any other learning, if a woman attends a class, or she's listening to this class right now, halakha hour, if she listens and she hears the halakhot, she gets reward. Likewise, if a woman wants to read Shnei Mekavah Hatargum, she can, and of course she gets rewarded as if she learned any other part of the Torah. So how far does the obligation of same Shnei Mekavah Hatargum go? There is... A Chuvata Rashba, there's a Chuvata Rashba that Hakamadiyah brings down that says that even a person who is not feeling well, for example, he can't read Shemikad Hatagum that, that week because his eyes are hurting him. He can't look. He, you know, he went to the eye doctor, it's burning him, and he can't read inside. Chuvata Rashba says he has an obligation to go and listen to somebody else reading Shemikad Hatagum and listen to it through Shomea Kyaone. Although the Radbaz, Primegadim, Hidda, Disagree and they hold, uh, they maybe they didn't see this Rashba, obviously, they don't disagree on Rashba, but they didn't see this Rashba. They, they hold that really if a person's not feeling well, you patur, still, Hakam Madia brings the Yahayab, and the Kafahayim says also patur, but Hamahbit about Allah Biracha to be Yotse Dehba everybody. But Hakam says, no, a person who's not feeling well, then go listen to it from somebody else to be Yotse Dehba. This is the first subject. Of the first category of the halachot of Shai Mekavah HaTagum. Who's obligated? Men from the age of Bar Mitzvah and above. Women, children are patur, but it's good if they read it, especially children, it brings at Shamayim. Next. When is the time to read Shai Mekavah HaTagum? So the halakha says, let's go back to the Gemara. What did the Gemara say? Kol hamashlim parashiyotav im hatsibur. That means, you can only begin to read that week's parasha. When the Tzibur began reading it. What does it mean, the Tzibur? Tzibur doesn't mean your specific minyan that you pray with. Tzibur means anytime that the Jewish people began to read that parasha, then you could already begin preparing yourself and reading Shanaim Ka'avahatargum. When do we begin reading the next parasha? The answer is Shabbat Minha. Lemashal. This Shabbat coming up is Parashat Noah. In the morning, Shahrit will be taking out the Sefer Torah and reading Parashat Noah from the Sefer Torah. Parashat Lech Lecha is officially read next week, Shabbat, in the morning in the same manner. However, Shabbat Minha, this Shabbat, Parashat Noah and Shabbat Minha, will take out the Sefer Torah and Shabbat by Minha and read the first Aliyah, broken up into three parts. We'll read that in the Sibur from Parashat Lech Lecha the week, from the week afterwards. Once a person has the ability to pray Minha, once a Sibur has the ability to pray Minha, then you could already begin Reading the next parasha, which means you read Shemekav Hatargum this Friday, you finished Parashat Noah. When could you begin Lech Lecha? The earliest time that you could pray Minha on Shabbat, even though you're not attending that minyan, as long as there's a minyan that started already, you could begin already reading Shemekav Hatargum of the following. That's the earliest time to begin reading. The latest time for a person to read it, which means to complete Shemekav Hatargum, this is, by the way, this is the latest time means over here in the Lechatela. We're going to see that really there's a much later time. But the ideal, the pre- the preferable time for a person to complete the Parashat Shalim Mekav HaTargum should be before you begin your Sa'udah on Shabbat morning. And let's say you pray in an early minyan on Shabbat morning 
and you begin your sa'udah at 12 o'clock. So let's say your minyan is at 7, and you finish about 9, 9.15. So then you can do shamikra hatagum right then, because you haven't begun your sa'udah yet. If you pray in a later minyan, 9 o'clock, or 8, whatever it is, then you could wake up a little earlier and do it then. Or you could even try to squeeze it in between tefillah, as we'll see. But that's the latest time, still in the lechatila category. If you want to do it in the preferable way, the latest time is to do it, is to complete it before your morning sauda on Shabbat. The best time though, the preferable time, which means mitzvamna mubha, this is the ideal, is what Dariza used to do. There's mahalokah what Dariza used to do. According to some, Dariza used to read Shaim Kavahatargum after Hatzot on Friday. Arab Shabbat, after Hatzot, he would reach Shaim Kavahatargum and then he would go to the Mikveh directly. Others explain, no, really, that the, whoever wrote that was uh, was mistaken. Darizal used to read immediately after Shahrit on Friday morning, wearing his Talit and Tefillin. And that's really the majority of poskim bring that down as the ideal, the preferable time to read. If a person has a choice, finish and start and finish in one shot right after Shahrit on Friday morning. Now, it's not available to most people, but if a person could do it, that's the best preferred time. However, if a person couldn't do it for whatever reason, he couldn't make it, he couldn't say Shai Mekav HaTargum, technically you have the whole year to make it up until Simchat Torah. The only thing is, you gotta keep in mind that if you skip a parasha, you cannot read the following parasha before you read the parasha that you're up to. Meaning, Let's say this week, Parashat Noah, you skipped Noah. You didn't have time to read Noah. You shouldn't read Parashat Lechlecha until you did Parashat Noah. You cannot read them out of order. And even though you might be backed up, it doesn't make a difference. Read in order. Don't read them out of order. If it happens to be that by the time you decided to read it was already in the middle of the year and you can't start all the way from Bereshit and continue all the way later, okay, in that case, then you can already read you can begin, you can pick up from Vayikra or whatever it is because it's nearly impossible to start in the beginning. But a person who just missed one parasha, you should do them, you should do them in order. Now, of course, if you did it out of order, doesn't mean you say the but again, we're learning the Preferable halachot, you should not skip the parashiot, you should not read the parashiot out of order. <clears throat> now, as good advice, if you want to reach Jaim you have to be a little bit smart and be on top of the game and look at your schedule and see when you could read it. Even though, you know, most people may not be able to read it in the way, which is Arab Shabbat on Friday, uh, Friday uh, morning. Doesn't mean you can you know you can't read it. You don't have to read the whole parasha in one shot. You could read parts of the parasha every single day and then finish it by Friday morning. It doesn't have to be read all in one shot. And so as a good idea for a person whose schedule is very, very busy, read one aliyah per day. Sunday, you read Aliyah Tishon. Monday, you read Aliyah Chani. If in case you missed one of the days, so you make it up the next day. This way, when you come to Shabbat already, you've done all the seven Aliyah. That's for a person who doesn't have so much time, you can break it up. Or sometimes, you're a person who usually has time, but one week, you're you're very busy, your son, daughter are getting married, your siblings getting married, you're getting married, and you're very busy running around, you don't have time to really do it in the Khatala way. So then you do it in such a way. You break it up throughout the week. And this way you can be your Tzedeh Hubba. But really it's so important to do Shlaim Kavah Hatar Gum. That person should 
make sure to figure it out, fit it into his schedule, and you shouldn't let it just pass by because he doesn't have time. You could We could all make time, although not the whole parasha in one time, but you could divide up the parasha to read it throughout the week. Next category of halakhot, how to read Shnayim B'Kav Hadargum. If a person is not familiar with Shnayim B'Kav Hadargum and he, just, and he was listening to the class, uh, I assume you're very lost. What's this whole Shnayim B'Kav Hadargum? Simple translation is that you read the parasha coming up two times, Shnaim Mikra, two times the Pasuk, and one time you read the Targum, which is the Targum Unklus, the translation of Unklus on the side. Now, Targum literally means translation, which means you're not really limited to the Targum of Unklus. You can do Targum Yonatam Nozeel, you can do Targum Yerushalmi. In fact, you could even do. Rashi, Pirush Rashi. It doesn't have to be specifically Davka, just Targum Unklus. Although the Menag is, and that's the way the Mikubalim is saying, and the preferable way to do it is Targum Unklus, as we'll see later on. How do you read twice? How do you read the Parashat twice and the Targum? So here is the best way to do it, and then, of course, in any other way. The best way to do it is to read each Pasuk by itself twice. And then the Targum on that Pasuk, which means the most famous Pasuk in the Torah is by Daber Adonai and Moshe Lemor. So that Pasuk is to read like this by Daber Adonai and Moshe Lemor, and then read again by Daber Adonai and Moshe Lemor, and then read the Targum on Umalil Adonai and Moshe Lemor. This is the way you've done it. This is the way to do it. Why? The Shohar Aruch Arav explains because in the times of Hazal, and I believe the Minhag of the Yemenites still today is that. When you read the Torah, they would read the Torah in, in Tzibur, each pasuk was translated. They would have somebody translating it. They would read one pasuk and have somebody translate that pasuk. So therefore, the best way for you also to read it is in such a way. To read one pasuk twice and then to read the Targum on it. The Shla brings down, Mishabra brings the Shla. Was it the Shla? Yeah, the Shla brings down that you could also read each paragraph in the Torah, if you look in the Sefer Torah and some Hamashim break it up in the same way that's broken up in the Sefer Torah, each paragraph in the Torah, each, uh, the para, excuse me, the parashat in the Torah are all broken up in different paragraphs. And it's identified by space in between these paragraphs. That's called the parasha. To read each paragraph twice, the whole paragraph once, and then the whole paragraph again another time. And then to read the unklus, the targum, the translation, all on the whole paragraph. So that's another way of doing not the best way, but also can be done that way to read one parasha at a time. Another way to do it, also brought down by the Shla, is to read the whole entire parasha. For example, the whole entire parasha Noah from beginning to end once and then to read it again twice and then to do it with then to read the unclus on the whole thing. That's also possible to do it. In fact, the sketch of all brings down that, that was the menhag of the stipler. Zatzal is that we read the whole parasha twice and then targum unclus on it. In fact, you could do it by listening when you in the, in the, when you come to shul. You could read it word for word together with the Baal Kore in shul, and then afterwards read it again a second time by yourself and then read the unclus on it. The best is Shohan uh, Rukharav. Let me read you his words, and he says about minhadin. You could read it in whatever way you want. You want to read the whole parasha 
You want to read each paragraph, you want to read each pasuk. Now that shoot Mishnah Yosef says you could within the same parasha, you could decide to do it in different ways. You could do the first part, each pasuk, you could do the second part, each paragraph, you could, and then read the whole thing all together. You could do whatever you want. The ikar is that as long as you read the parasha twice and targum once. Of course, the preferable way, the Mazaman and Buhar is to read each pasuk, but you can do it any which way. The Mishnah brings down a mahlokit. If a person could be Yoseh by just listening to the Baal Koreh. It's a Mahlokit. Some say yes, some say no. So therefore, it could be Yoseh according to all opinions. Read it together with the Baal Koreh. If you're in Shul and you want to be Yoseh de Hubah, Shalom Kabe had to go from the reading, just read along with the, with the Baal Koreh and this way it will be considered for sure as one and then you have to read it another time with Targum Unklis. Next, how does one read Shalom Kabe had Targum? So, Let's first tell you three reasons I found why Hazal told us you have to read that week's parasha. Number one is to be familiar with the reading that was done in Shul. When you come to Shul on Shabbat and Baal Koreh opens up the Sefer Torah and starts reading from the parasha, you should know what's going on because you already prepared it. Number two is, once upon a time, each person who got an Aliyah used to read his own Aliyah from the Torah. So therefore, you have to prepare it from before Shabbat that you should know if in case you get an aliyah, you go up, you know already how to read. And number three is, this way you become active in the Mizvah of Tamut Torah. You don't just listen to the Torah, but you are involved in reading the study and studying the Torah, not just by hearing it in shul. So therefore, being that, the purpose of reading Shemekah V'Hatar Gum is to know the, that week's parasha, to be familiar with it. Therefore, a person should try to learn Rashi. According to some opinions, there's an obligation to learn with Rashi because Rashi explains the Pesukim. And anytime that there's a Pasuk that Rashi doesn't comment on, then instead of reading it twice, you could read it a third time. That's if you're not doing the Targum. But you could also do it at separate times, which means you could do Shemekra and Pirush Rashi at a separate time, or you could do Shemekra V'Hat Targum which is Targum Unklus, and then do Rashi at separate times. Like Manan says, a Yeresh Amayim, a person with Yach Amayim, should try to do Shem Mikra with Targum Unklus as well as Rashi. And we could explain in a different way. If you do Shem Mikra V'Hat Targum, plus, targum, plus the Pirush of Rashi, that leads to Yerach Amayim. We have a question here. Could a person be Yotzei Dehobat Shem Mikra V'Hat Targum by reading the English translation. Let's say a person wants to open up an art school and he wants to read each pasuk in Hebrew twice and then read the English translation. So really, Shohan Aruch Rav answers that. And he says that the English translation doesn't work. You know why? For two reasons. Number one is, Targum Unklus was given from Sinai. The Gemara Masechim Megillah says that Targum Unklus came down from Har Sinai. The second reason why Shohan Aruch Rav says that it doesn't work is because really Unklus translates every word. Every word has a translation in Aramaic. The English doesn't really necessarily translate every word. For example, the word it. There's no translation for the word it. Zabra says that by Kriyat Shema. We don't have an English translation for it. So how are you going to translate that? Unclus does yet. He's, he translates it as yet. So being that the foreign language, English or French or Arabic, or it doesn't make a difference what the language is. If it's not Targum, it doesn't work really. So therefore, to answer that person's question, could you do Shem Targum with English? And the answer is really no. What are you going to do about a person who cannot do the Unclus? Well, 
I have a question about that. If you know how to read the Pasuk, which is the homage, then it's the same letters if you're reading Unglus. So then you could just do Unglus. However, if a person's stuck somewhere and he has no Targum Unglus, he just has a homage and all he has is an English translation, then yes. Being that the mitzvah of studying, of knowing the parasha, according, is to understand what's going on in the parasha, so therefore you could be Yotzei Dehoba by doing the English translation as well. When you're stuck and you have no other choice. But keep in mind, Targum, Unklus came from Harsinai, according to Mikubanim. Even if you want to do Rashi, you still have to do Shnai Mikavah Targum. It's very, very important that you do the Targum, Unklus. So therefore, you have to try to, whatever you can to be able to do Targum, Unklus when you're doing Shnai Mikavah Targum. This is pretty much the halachot of Shnai Mikavah Targum. So I want to mention a few quick halachot and maybe an idea when a person is doing Shnai Mikavah Targum. Number one is that if you know how to read the Humash with Ta'amim, you have to read Shnai Mikavah Targum with Ta'amim. This only applies to the Pesukim, the text of the Humash. The text of Unklus, in fact, is brought down that you should not read it with Ta'amim. Which means, let's take the Pasuk again. The Ta'amim would be read in a Sephardi way as follows. You don't have to read this slow, but you have to read it with the Ta'amim. And the Unklus, when you read the translation, you don't read it with Ta'amim. If you are a person who knows how to read the Torah from the Sefer Torah, and you have access to the Sefer Torah, it's preferable that you read Shai Mekar from the Sefer Torah. Now, obviously, there's no unklus in the Sefer Torah, so you'll have to send with the Hamas on the side. Like the Ariza used to have somebody standing next to him, and he would read the Pesukim from the Sefer Torah, and he have somebody reading off to him the unklus so he could say it after him. That's the preferable way if you can do it. Not everybody could do it. Not all shoes allow it either. Also, when reading Shai Mekar we mentioned that you could do it and break it up throughout the week. It's brought down. If a person could do the whole parasha in one shot, it's the best. Not only to do the whole Shai Mikavah in one shot, but not to interrupt in the middle at all. Obviously, not to talk to anybody and try to try, try as much as you can not to text. Although, again, mutah to text, but again, this is all lechatila. Even to the point that some say that don't even make a berachat to drink or or eat if you could do so. Doesn't mean you could eat without bracha. It just means that don't even interrupt to make a bracha in order to drink. Don't drink. Say it, read the whole from the beginning to the end. Mahalakha, you don't have to be so mahmir if you want to take a drink, especially, certainly if you go to the bathroom and you have to say Ashayatsar, of course you could do so. We're just saying that try to read the parasha from the beginning to the end without any sort of interruption. Next halakha, keep in mind, try to understand what you're reading. This is very, very hard, especially for one who has been doing Shah for a long time. Come sit there and try to pay attention to what you're reading. So it's easy in the first couple of parashiyot, you know, in the sefer, uh, from Sefer Bereshit all the way until the Mishkan. But then it gets very complicated with all the details of building the Mishkan and Sefer Shemot. It's a little complicated, but still, try to read it. In the book of the Maran, he was, he was basically criticized by the, uh, what's it called? Or oh, not criticized, but he was warned by the Malach, that he should understand, he shouldn't just read Shemekaya like a person just, uh, you know, what they call davening up Ashe, but he should read it and try to understand, try to come up with questions and answers on the parasha if he could do so, it's fantastic also another halakha to keep in mind this is a halakha that's important to keep in mind in case a person gets stuck technically, according to halakha if a person is stuck and he has no other choice you could 
read Shnei Hat Gum in the middle of Kriyat Torah. Even though you, the pasuk that you're up to is not the pasuk the Baal Kore is up to. And you continue reading as everybody is saying, as they're reading the Torah, as they're saying the Misha Berach and everything, and all the Aliyot are going up, you continue reading Shnei Mekav Hat Gum. Technically, you could do that. But if you want to do so, you should do so only when it's very, very necessary. And number two is, you have to make sure that you have 10 people that are listening to the Torah besides you. And this way you can do it. But if you're the number 10 and you are needed for the minyan to listen to Torah, you cannot do Shemekar V'Hatar Gum. Even though you're in the same parasha, you can't because you have to be listening. You're part of the 10 that needs to be listening to the Torah. Not only that, if you're paying with the Sabu, maybe with 100 people, but everybody's schmoozing away. And really you're the one of the 10 people that are actually listening to Sefer Torah. You also have to be aware of it that you can't do Shemekar V'Hatar Gum in the middle of, in the middle of Kriyata Torah. Another thing, another halakha is that the minhag is that when we finish Shnei Mekavah HaTargum, we finish the parashah, you're going to obviously finish with the Targum. The last pasuk you're going to read with Targum. Like for example, for Noah Adonai, you're going to read the Targum on it. So, you should read another pasuk, read, repeat the pasuk from the Humash and not the Targum. That's how you should finish off with the parashah. Finish off with the Humash and not the Targum. After you translate, repeat it one more time. So therefore, and then say the Targum, and then repeat again. And the Minhag is also to read that week's Haftarah after finishing Shnai Mekav Targum. And depending if you're finished Shnai Mekav Targum on Shabbat or on Friday, you also say the Mizmor Hashem Malak Geut Labesh on Friday, if you finish it on Friday. And if you finish on Shabbat, you say the Mizmor of Mizmor Shil Yom HaShabbat. And keep in mind, this is a, you're undertaking a project for the whole year to do Shemekar V'Hatagum. If you've never done it a full year, you have to keep in mind that you have to always motivate yourself. You always have to try to put in as much effort as you can to try to do it. And don't try to take on a job that's too big for you. Meaning, don't try to cram it all in one time. That's probably most people fall out of it because they can't do it all in one shot. Try to do it. In the, in the, in break it up during the week if you can't finish it all in one shot. And remember, it leads to your Shamayim and Taharam protects a person from all sins. We have a call. We'll take in for a second. Hello? Hello? And on? Okay, if you can hear us. Hello? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry to bother you. I want to know if you still Hello? have a can channel you? under. Can you hear me? One second. Hello? Yes, can you hear me now? Yeah, much better. Go ahead. I want to know if you still have a channel on the radio where I can listen to Jay Radio. Okay, we're in the middle of a class right now. I want you to stay on hold and somebody will be with you, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Hello? In back to... Okay. Drop this. Let's come back to the class over here. Up to the next and final halachot of Hokle Israel. The halakhot of Hokel Israel. this is very, very important. Let me give you just an idea of what is Hokel Israel. Hokel Israel was instituted by the Arizal. It's basically a limud, a learning that's made up to be done on a daily basis. And it's connected to that week's parasha. The Rabhaim Vital copied these, the order of, of learning from the Arizal. And the Hidat says about learning Hokel Israel. if you're a person that learns Hokel Israel. It takes about really 10 minutes to do the hawk, to read the whole hawk, if you understand what you're reading. 
But the Hida says, in those 10 minutes, you could accomplish what others can accomplish in an hour. Because the Hokusei is set up in a way that it covers all different areas of learning. And Alpi Kabbalah, you're, you, you know, when we learn Torah, not only do we have the information to understand, you know, what the Hashem wants from us, but the, when we learn Torah, it gives us the ability also to be metakein the world, to set up the world in a spiritual way, to make that the world should become blessed in all the proper blessings. It takes time, and everybody has to participate in it. The Hidat says, 10 minutes of Hukle Israel equals about an hour of regular learning. And Hakam ben Siyom brings down that even Tamida Hakamim, who dedicate their whole day to learning Torah, are obligated in learning Hukle Israel. They should not be exempt from it. So let's explain what is Hukle Israel. What's this idea of Hukle Israel? Basically, the Hukle Israel, it's a daily learning, it's a daily quarter of learning that consists of six different parts, mainly. There's another two parts that were added on later on by the Hida, but the ones from the Arizal are only six parts. What are they? The six different parts. The first three parts are Torah Nebim Ketubim, what we know as Tanakh. Pesukim from that week's parasha, which make up the Humash part of it. Pesukim from Nevi'im, which usually come from that week's Haftarah. And Pesukim from Ketubim, usually from Sefer Mishleh. And when Sefer Mishleh finishes, they also bring down Sefer Tehillim. They also, uh, Sefer Tehillim, they start reading Sefer Tehillim in Hukle Israel. That's the first three parts. Those first three parts, Tanakh, are read on a daily basis, like whatever the amount of Pesukim is, we're going to talk about in a second. They're read with its Targum, which means that you read a few Pesukim from that week's parasha plus the Targum. You read a few Pesukim from Nevi'im plus the Targum, and Ketubim plus the Targum. If you don't have the book, it's very hard to do this on your own. Then afterwards, you have also, the next three parts are Mishnayot, Gemara, and Zohar. Every day there's a chapter of Mishnayot that's mentioned, and each chapter is made there, is placed there specifically, because each day has a different section from the six Sidre Mishnah. And there's also Gemara, from, usually from the same Masechet. And there's a selection from the Zohar, which covers the area of Kabbalah. In these six parts, you basically are learning from every area of the Torah. You're learning from Humash, from Nevi'im, from Ketuvim, from Mishnayot, Gemara, and even from Kabbalah. That's the idea of how to say that you take a small part, a small sample of every area of Torah and learning, and you say it on a daily basis. The Pesukim that are read on a, on a daily basis equal up to 26 at the end of the week. And they're divided in the following way. On Sunday, we read six Pesukim. On Monday, we read four Pesukim. On Tuesday, we read five Pesukim. On Wednesday, we read six Pesukim. And on Friday, on, excuse me, on Thursday, we read five Pesukim, totaling 26 Pesukim. Thursday night, what you're supposed to do is the next 26 Pesukim of that parasha, all you have to do is read them just read them one time on Friday night, preferably after Hatzot. But if you can't stay up till after Hatzot to read those following 26 Pesukim, then read them right before you go to sleep. If by accident you happen to miss the reading on Friday night, excuse me, on Thursday night you happen to miss it, you forgot about it, then you can read them also on Friday morning. This way you read the 26 Pesukim plus the 26 Pesukim that you read throughout the week. It's a total of 52 Pesukim. Alpi Kabbalah is something very, very hashum. According to the Ramhal, you should know, when you're learning Torah, you're fixing the world, and you, you each part of the Torah, like we mentioned, 
is fixing different parts of the world. The Ben Yishai says, this is our preparation for Shabbat. Everybody has to prepare himself for Shabbat. This is how we prepare ourselves for Shabbat, by every single day, reading from that week's parasha. Finally, on Friday, after you read, or what you read throughout the week, the 26 Pesukim, in the daytime, and the 26 Pesukim that you read the night before, then you should read the whole parasha, and like we mentioned, this is basically, in short, the halachot of the Hokle Israel. One more detail to keep in mind is that when if a person missed the Hokle Israel, it's a daily learning. If you missed it, you can only make up the day beforehand's learning. Which means, you've been reading Hokle Israel, uh, and you now come on Tuesday and you say, wow, I forgot to read the Hokle Israel on Monday. So then, when you come to read it on Tuesday, first read the part on Monday, and then read that part, that day's part on Tuesday. If you missed the Hokle Israel a few days in a row, you can only make up the previous day. You can't make up days beforehand. Which means, on Wednesday, you realize that you f- forgot and you missed the Hok on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So on Wednesday, you can only make up Tuesday's part that you missed. You first read Tuesday, and then you read Wednesday. You can't make up anything prior to that. Which means that Bereshit, we never did a Hokkasite this year on Bereshit, because we jumped right after Samhat Torah, which was a Friday. We jumped into Shabbat Bereshit, and we never had time to do the Hok. So in that case, we didn't do the Hok on Bereshit. We don't make it up on Noah. Remember, the Hok is made to be a daily learning. Even if you've done it already, Let's say Pasaf Zota Berakha, which is has been read yet, but you're up to that parasha in the in the shul, you know, we don't read it as a kahal till later on. We don't get up to it until we get up to it, you keep on repeating the same parasha until we get up to it in with the tzibur. These are the halachot of Hokli Israel. We hope they were helpful. And with the few minutes that we have left, we'll give you the phone number to the station if anybody would like to call in. I'm going to mention a few ideas, maybe just about the Shabbos project coming up, some things to be on the lookout for, or some things to keep in mind. And the number is 718-683-5858, or you can text in at 347-927-8398. Next week, we'll begin, we'll come back and be, continue our learning in the Benish High, and we're up to the Halachot of Dibur on Shabbat of what you could and cannot say and speak about on Shabbat, which includes Amir al-Akum talking and commending Goyim to do things for you. That's next week Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. And this class will be aired on again tonight at 11 to 12 p.m. Meanwhile, just a few pointers for the Shabbat. And this really applies whenever you invite somebody who's not observant to your house. Keep the following things in mind. Number one is, if you're inviting somebody to your house, you want to show them the beauty of Shabbat, then you have to make sure that you you make the environment a very comfortable atmosphere for your guests. Which means, if you know that there could be some issues in halakha, or any issues in general that may come up, then you should try to think what they could be, anticipate them, and go find out. Find out, if you know, I know when I invite this person, or, or possibly when I invite this person, this issue will come up. Go beforehand and ask a rav, what should I do if this situation presents itself? And this way, you don't act panicked, you don't get nervous when this, when uh, when when something happens over Shabbat, and especially that you can't call anybody. And sometimes you mahmir where you, where you shouldn't be mahmir, and it makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Number two is, if you have little children in the house, we know little children say whatever's on their mind. 
Sometimes even adults, but adults think a little bit. Sometimes they think, but children say whatever's on their minds. So sometimes when children are not used to having non-observant people come to the house, they make may, they may make some comments that can make your guests feel very uncomfortable. So therefore, as a good advice, take your children and prepare them and explain to them that you're doing a big mitzvah this Shabbat. Somebody's coming over, and we're going to show them the beauty of Shabbat and make sure you don't make comments on the way they're dressed. You don't make, let's say, for example, it's men that have earrings or have tattoos or they're not wearing suits. Don't make any comments. We, you don't have to tell me, oh, daddy, Abba, look, he's not wearing, he's not dressed properly. You know, keep those, train the children from beforehand. Also, if you're having guests that are not observant, it means they're probably Mahalei Shabbat. So therefore, you should, you should make sure you don't have any wine that's not Mebushal. Because wine that's not mebushal, if touched by a person who is not Shomer Shabbat, will make it and not usable. So make sure all the wines that you're serving, having on the table, should be mebushal wine. Also, if you want to explain what's going on, it's a good idea to explain. As you're, you know, I've had many guests over on Shabbat who were clueless about Shabbat. And I found that they enjoy and they appreciate the fact that you explain what explain what's happening. We're making Kiddush now, but don't address them directly. Speak to your family. I turn to my kids and I say, okay, we're going to make Kiddush now, but let's all stand up. So the guest knows that we all have to stand up, so he also stands up. We're going to go have Saudah. We're going to have to wash. Let's go, everybody. We're going to wash our hands. And I'm the first one to wash my hands, and I succumb. And I say, I'm going to wash my right hand first three times, then my left hand three times. I'm talking to my get, I'm talking to my kids, but really I'm addressing my guests. This way they feel part of the family, and they're not feel, they don't feel like they're being singled out. And finally, Allah had to keep in mind, is that if your guests are coming only so bad day, they're not coming Friday night, you should know that... You have to make a douche for them, being that you're Motsi them Dehobat Kiddush. You have to make the Berakha, the second Berakha that we make on Kiddush on Friday night, which is Mekadesh Shabbat. You have to make it for them in the daytime because that's a mezvah, according to many, if not all, it's a mezvah de Oraita to hear the Berakha of Mekadesh Shabbat. And this person who didn't make Kiddush Friday night because he's coming only to your house on Shabbat day, he's obviously in. Didn't make it do the night before, and he has to hear the beracha. And even though you heard it already, but Kol Yisrael Arabim Zelazei, you can make the beracha for them. For more information on that, you look at a halacha class on the archives regarding the laws of kiddush. That's it for now. We just have a question very quickly. When will this class be on air again? It will be on again tonight at eleven to twelve. If not, you can get it from the archives. Check today's date. Until then, we wish everybody Chodesh uh, Tov and Brazat Shem. We'll see you next week in Al Hour from two to three p.m. here on J Root Radio dot com.